You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Well, hey, welcome everybody. It's uh, so great to be here and what a great privilege it is for me to get to share uh, with the 5pm crew. It's awesome to have you with us. Uh, And this evening, what I want to do is I want to talk about courage. And so to talk about courage, I want to start by saying this. You know, the reality is I've been a chicken many times in my life. Um, I remember many years ago, I was a relatively new Christian and uh, I was part of the evangelism team. Now the evangelism team was kind of pretty hardcore. I used to go out on a Friday night, like late, you know, nine, 10 o'clock and just kind of walk around and go up to people and try and engage them in conversations about Jesus. And, uh, and I was terrible at it, right? Because I was just terrified. And I remember they used to pair us up and I was, I've been paired with this fairly gung-ho uh, young woman. And um, so we were out there this evening, uh, this Friday night, it was like nearly midnight. And, and, I, and I'd seen this guy and I said to him, I said, hey, that's the guy, I think that's the guy we need to speak to. Right, so then we just followed him around, like, I don't know, for five blocks, like all the shops are closed. Um, he's just wandering, looking in shop windows. He'd stop, you know, we're like, I don't know, 50 metres down the road, we'd stop, look in a shop window, he'd start, we'd start. I mean, it must have looked like we were preparing to mug the guy or something. Anyway, after a while, she's like, so, like, what are you doing? Like, what are we doing? And I'm like, no, it's all cool, it's all cool. It's, it's just timing, it's all about timing. And so we'd kind of keep wandering along, following him while I'm trying to drum up the courage to actually approach the guy and speak to him. Another 10 minutes later, she says to me, look, are you going to talk to him or not? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, just, like, just give me a minute. And then like a minute later, she just walks right past me, walks down the street, goes up to the guy, says, g'day, mate, how you doing? I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. And I'm just standing 15 metres back down the road just feeling so embarrassed because I was afraid. That's what, that's what happened. My fear paralyzed me. I was embarrassed then and I, I'm still embarrassed today. But you know, that's the truth, right? Sometimes uh, we, we get afraid. We find ourselves in those situations and there have been times when my fear has made me walk away from situations instead of standing firm in situations. I've had times when my fear has made me keep my head down and my mouth closed instead of standing up and speaking up. I've had times when I didn't do the right thing, when something was burning inside me saying that I should. Have you ever experienced that? I mean, we all have, right? But I've also been brave a few times in my life. I also know what it is to be courageous, not as often as I'd like, but I've had those instances where I've done the right thing when I've stepped up. I've had those times when I have stood up for others who for whatever reason weren't or couldn't stand up for themselves. I've had those times when I've jumped into a a little bit of a challenging supernatural situation where things are pretty crazy. And I've done those things. And here's the interesting thing, right, about courageous moments, about brave moments. What made them moments of courage was that I was scared in those moments. I was wrestling with feelings of fear or insecurity or intimidation. And yet despite that, despite the fright, I still stepped up. C.S. Lewis once said this. He said, courage is not one of the virtues. He says, 
it is the form of every virtue at the testing point. Now, I think this is terribly important for us today. You see, you don't need courage to love, but you do need courage to love when it's at the testing point, when you don't wanna love, when everything within you wants to walk away, when everything within you maybe wants to hate instead of love, but somewhere inside you, you find the courage to put your arms around somebody or forgive somebody or welcome somebody anyway. You don't need courage to be joyful, but you do need courage to be joyful at the testing point. You know, when all is dark, when there is no hope, when it's just a really, really difficult place and in that place, you put on a smile, you crack a joke, you shift the focus onto what is good and light and hope-filled. You don't need courage to be self-disciplined, but you do need courage to be self-disciplined at the testing point. When all you wanna do is throw in the towel, give up, walk away from God, go back to what you used to find comfort in, whatever that might be, alcohol or relationships or porn or whatever it was in the past that used to be that for you. That's when it takes courage to discipline yourself, to make the tough call, to turn yourself around and walk back into doing what is right. You know, I really believe team that we need more courage. And I think we live in a very fear-filled time in history. Now, for us in New Zealand, the issue is, you know, it's not, it's not that we've got hostile neighbours who are wanting to invade and take over. I think the Aussies have got their hands full right at the moment. It's not that we're afraid of the risk of global nuclear war. We're a little concerned about COVID. Uh, I think many of us are probably more concerned about the economy and the impacts and the lives of people that we know and love. But you know, there's one thing we are afraid of, I think, too often, and that's people. We're afraid of people. It's interesting, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, Solomon says this, he says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. But I think we've all experienced that, right? We're afraid of speaking up and, and finding an irrational, unsubstantiated tidal wave of negative opinion coming back against us. We're, we're afraid sometimes of following the nudges of the Holy Spirit in case we look silly or foolish or God forbid we offend anyone, which seems to be the unforgivable sin in society these days. We're afraid of being judged, of being canceled is the term these days on social media when your character is destroyed, your friends abandon you, your job becomes under threat and those around you attack you regardless of whether you're right or wrong. I mean, that's kind of frightening stuff. But you know what's interesting? We actually see the exact same things in Scripture. Peter and John and many of the apostles were put in jail, why? For the things that they said, for opinions that they shared with others. Paul was attacked uh, Paul and Silas were mobbed by violent crowds. Stephen and John were killed. I mean, Paul was the centre of a citywide riot at one point because of the things he said. You see, these men that we read about, these men and women, they were no strangers to the fears that we have. Were they frightened? Of course. Were they brave? Absolutely. I want to read to you just a short passage uh, following on from one of these episodes. And we'll dig into the episode a little bit later on. But this is what it says, and it's talking about the Pharisees and the, the lawyers and the, the leaders who were there to grill a couple of these uh, Christians. 
But it says this in Acts chapter four, verse 13. It says, when they saw the courage, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were, and listen to this, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, I think there are three things to note from this scripture. These leaders, firstly, they saw something. You see, this was courage that could be seen. These guys were doing something, which is why it says they saw their courage. You know, the great philosopher Aristotle said, you will never do anything in this world without courage. It is the greatest quality of the mind next to honour. The second thing to note from that short passage is this, is that these leaders and these, these Pharisees, not only they saw something, but they also realised something. They realised that these guys were like ordinary, like really ordinary. Like these guys, they weren't unusually smart or talented or good looking. There were no master's degrees or doctorate's degrees here. These guys were just, just ordinary people, just like me and just like you. And it made the actions all the more unexpected. The third thing is this, is they took note of something. These guys had been with Jesus. They saw the correlation. They knew that courage comes by association. You need courage? Be with Jesus. You need more courage? Be with Jesus more. There's something that happens when we get around Him. So I want to go a little deeper now. I want us to dig into this a little bit more. What was it that these two guys, Peter and John, were doing that was so clearly identified as courageous? I want to suggest this evening that it was actually a series of small, ordinary things. Let's read this in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Like there's something going on here, right? And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention expecting to get something from them. Now, these guys, Peter and John, they'd learned some things off Jesus, right? I think there's some great lessons here for us. They'd learned, number one, to follow the nudge. I mean, it's brave, right, to follow that nudge. It started, they were just walking along. They're just having an ordinary day. They're doing something they'd done probably most days. And uh, it, was, it was a pretty run-of-the-mill thing. But, they, but then as they were entering through the gate and as they were going past this guy, there was something internally that happened to them that caused them both to look. I mean, I don't know about, about you, but often in those situations, most people tend to look away. But these guys didn't. There was a nudge there from the Spirit. How many of us here have had something like that. You know, just, just a couple of weeks ago, I was one of the team that was speaking at the Mount Albert Campus uh, College Breakthrough Camp. Uh, what an extraordinary time that was. And anyway, I was talking to a bunch of the students and I was talking about this whole thing of the prompting of God or the nudges of God. And I said to them, I said, how many of you here have at some point felt some sort of prompting, some sort of internal nudge to, to help someone or to, to talk to someone, encourage somebody or to give something to someone, just to do something good. How many of you ever felt that, regardless of whether or not you actually did it? 
You know what? Every hand went up in the room that day. And I guarantee you that if we had the same conversation now, that every hand would go up. We've all experienced that. And Peter and John experienced that. But they had the courage to follow that nudge. I'm sure that they had their doubts, their concerns, what's going on here, what will happen if we do this. You know, it's not that long since Jesus has been dragged away and tortured and crucified and killed. But something happened and they stepped into that moment. They're like, buddy, we don't have any cash and you don't look like you've got FPOS. But what we do have, we're gonna give to you. Let's pray for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And they grabbed his hand, helped him to his feet. And this guy was instantly healed and completely blown away. Like he's leaping around and jumping around, trying out these new legs he's got. And, And no surprises, right? A crowd starts together. So not only did they follow the nudge, but second thing that they did, just a small thing, but a brave thing. They gave God the credit. The crowd begins to try and work out what has gone on here. And, and they're like, whoa, 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 don't, don't give any credit to us. This happened because we prayed to Jesus and Jesus did this and in his name, this happened. Follow the nudge, give God the credit. Number three is this, care about the crowd. It's interesting when you follow through what happened next, it shows that these guys had a real concern for those far from God. They, 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 they talked to them as brothers. Now, fellow, fellow Israelites, they said, we know you act in, in ignorance. I mean, there's a grace in what they said while they were speaking truth, but essentially they, they talked to them about, guys, you guys need to turn your lives around. You need to follow Jesus. It's the game changer. And then what happens is they get interrupted. The police arrive, throw them in the cells overnight because there's this huge thing going on. And the next morning when they're pulled out, uh, I think brave thing number four happened. And, and I think this is probably a lesson that Simon Peter learned. And, and I've called it this, I've called it keep it simple, Simon, the kiss principle. You see, Simon Peter didn't get caught up in issues of theology or authority. He knew that at the bottom line, this is all about simply just caring for people, being kind to somebody. All they did was pray for someone. And so Peter knew he just needed to keep it simple. When the leaders and the lawyers turned up to grill him, Peter's response was, seriously, all this drama because we did something kind to someone? Well, it was in Jesus' name that that happened. And it looked to me like you guys needed Jesus as well. In the end, what did those simple, ordinary, small steps sum up as? It looked like courage to those around about them. But what about fear, right? Like we've got to talk about fear if we're going to talk about courage. You see, courage is acting despite the fear. The famous author and I think a great thinker, Mark Twain once said, courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not the absence of fear. And I'm telling you, fear is one of the devil's greatest weapons. The devil does not want you to be brave. He wants to extinguish your courage the moment it sparks into life. And so the devil will do a bunch of things in the background to try and shut you down when it comes time for you to step into a brave moment. He'll multiply your past failures. Funny, isn't it, in those moments when for some reason your mind starts scrolling through everything you've failed at in the past, just eroding your confidence. Secondly, He will nullify your faith in God. He will tell you you're alone. God's not gonna come through. God's not gonna answer if you step out on this. And then thirdly, He will magnify what could possibly go wrong before you're catastrophizing it and this is gonna happen and this bad thing's gonna happen and, and those all have the effect of making you step back, put your head down 
and walk away when God's calling you just to stand and step forward. You see, fear is an emotion, right? It's something that we feel. We feel it in our body. And feelings are there for a reason. Who knows this? Who knows that feelings are great advisors, but poor masters? I wanna say it again. Feelings are great advisors. They'll let you know of things that are going on around you that, that you're experiencing, but they're poor masters. I don't know if you've ever been to Middlemore Hospital, the emergency ward on a Saturday night. <laughs> I have several times, uh, not for me, um, but people, friends, congregation members, when they've had some sort of drama or emergency or something. And uh, you know what, you head in there, you get through the crowd, it's all a bit crazy, there's people bandaged up and bleeding and people yelling and all kind of crazy things going on. And I mean, you're panicking a little, right? You're at the emergency department, there's a reason why you're there and, and you get your way through to the, the desk there and, uh, and you sign in and, and you want immediate attention. But what happens is this, the nurse there will say to you this, take a seat, sir, we're pretty busy right now, we'll get to you when we can. Here's the thought. When fear rocks up going panic, panic, we've got an emergency, you need to turn around and run away. Can I challenge you, respond in the same way as a Middlemore emergency nurse. Take a seat, fear. We're pretty busy right now. We'll get to you when we can. You know, uh, we had this guy uh, in Bible college. This is um, many years ago in Dunedin, we had a branch of ministry training college of uh, what is now Elam Leadership College. And uh, I was one of the lecturers there and I was lecturing one day and there was this guy and he just started acting kind of strange. Like he was rude, he was mocking. It was completely out of character. I'd known this guy for years. And uh, so in the end, I pulled him, pulled him in after the lecture and just said, what's going on? Like what's happening? And he was apologetic and he said he'd been feeling weird for the last couple of weeks and he wasn't sure what was going on. And, and I thought it was kind of sorted, so that was great. Well, fast forward 24 hours, the next day, I'm sitting in my office and I get a call from our Bible college principal uh, who's in her office in the adjoining building. And she said to me, uh, I've got this guy, same guy, sitting in with me today and he is acting really weird. Can I send him to you? Of course, being the man of God that I am, I wanted to say, no, that sounds frightening. I don't want you to send him to me. But of course I couldn't say that. So I said, yeah, sure, send him down. So he came down, sat in my office and uh, there was just something not right with him. And so we talked and I did a little bit of history, tried to find out what he'd been going through, what was going on, you know, with any mental health issues or any of those sorts of things. But the more we talked, the more I became convinced that the issue was a spiritual issue. In the end, I said to him, I think we need to pray. Is it okay if I pray for you? He said, sure. He stood up, I got up, walked around my desk. I walked up to him and he closed his eyes. And <laughs> you gotta understand, he's a big guy, like he's like 6'2", 6'3". He's very, very well built. And uh, I walked up to him and I put my hand on his shoulder and the moment I started praying, he screamed. I mean, screamed long and loud, like super, super high pitched. I mean, I nearly lost control of my bowels. And, uh, and I thought, wow, we're definitely touching something here. So I just began to speak to the demonic spirit. And I said, demonic spirit, I want you to come out of him now in Jesus' name. And then something happened. Still with his eyes closed, like he was completely oblivious. He said in the lowest, creepiest voice you've ever heard, he said, no, 
<laughs> now, now I really want to run away. Now I really, really want to go and live in another country immediately. Was I afraid? Heck yes. Like this was like the horror movie, you know? I mean, this was exactly what was what, what, what you may be seen in those sorts of things. I knew what was going to happen next. He was going to open his mouth and eat me. I mean, this was coming. So was I afraid? Absolutely. But, and I felt that fear. Like I felt my gut tighten and I felt every hair on my body stand on its end. Yes, I felt the fear, but did I listen to the fear? No, I did not. There was something on the inside of me that was like, take a seat, fear. I'm kind of busy right now. I'll get to you later. And then we prayed and we exited that thing out of him. And uh, it was pretty intense. And then God just began to speak to me prophetically over his life. And I began to just share what I felt God was saying about how God was going to be his dad and, and was going to be there for him through the thick and the thin. And he starts crying. And, and uh, like it wasn't until later that I found out all the details about how his dad had left him when he was six. And, and it was a, an astonishing time. And God broke an addiction in his life that none of us knew that he had had for years. I met with him every week for the next six weeks just to see what had actually happened. And the change was astonishing. Here's the thing. You will feel the fear. That's fine. That doesn't mean you're not brave. Doesn't mean you're not courageous. That's just when you need to tell your fear to take a seat that you're busy right now. Funny thing. When you're done and you get back to the fear, it's always given up and left the building. Did you know that hundreds of times in Scripture, God communicates to His people about this one thing, right? Do not fear, do not be afraid, do not worry, be anxious for nothing, do not be terrified, be strong and courageous. In a multitude of ways, this idea is communicated. In fact, some people have said that, that there are, it says it over 365 times in the Bible, one for every day of the year. Here's the thought, there's, there's no other thing that God communicates more than that, other than maybe be holy, right? Like that's probably not a bad plan for what it means to follow Christ, right? Be holy and do not be afraid. Like God can change the world with people like that. So then how do we grow our courage? Like how do we grow in courage? Because we all want more, we need more. We see the power of it. It's such an attractive thing when we see it in others. And we know in those moments in our lives, and we've all had them, when we've been brave, when we've been courageous, we all know the power of that, not only for ourselves, but for those around about us. How do we grow in courage? Three quick thoughts this morning on how to grow in courage. The first is this, courage is caught, not taught. It comes from being around people who in their own way are brave. Those Pharisees knew that the courage of Peter and John in some way came because they had been around Jesus. You know, one of the great privileges uh, of my ministry life has been uh, to be able to sit in oversight meetings uh, with our senior minister, Pastor Luke. And over the years, uh, I have from time to time seen him when he has to make a tough call. And it's an interesting thing, right? Like, because I, I, I see him, it's like he, he steals himself, he knows he's got to do this. And sometimes there are great ideas and there are things going on, but... But as the senior minister, as the vision carrier for our campuses, uh, his job, if nothing else, is to have clarity on what God is saying. And I've seen him lean forward and lean into that moment and say, guys, I'm really sorry, but I just don't think God is leading us this way. We're not going to be doing that. Courage. And when I sit in the room and I watch 
uh, a leader, do that sort of thing. It makes me braver. And sometimes we, it's not from leaders, it's from ordinary people. Um, years ago in Dunedin, there was a guy in our church uh, who was severely disabled. He's in an electronic wheelchair. and Great guy, uh, really great guy, great sense of humour. Well, for the last three while, he's been living in Tauranga. And just last Sunday, or Sunday before last, uh, before lockdown, uh, he organised himself with a caregiver and a van, and he got himself all the way up to Auckland just to come to church at City Campus and say good day to us. And what a privilege it was. Now, you've got to understand, here's a guy who is utterly confined to a wheelchair. We're sitting in the cafe afterwards. He's got a carer who's putting food in his mouth. He's wiping the crumbs from around his lips. And yet, you know what? He was oblivious. He was just part of what was going on. He's cracking jokes and we're laughing about things and, and remembering uh, the days in Dunedin and, and having a fantastic time. And I remember at one point just thinking, what courage, what courage just to be who he is, to not be consumed with what other people think about him. You know what, when I'm around people like that, it does something in me. Courage is caught, not taught. Second thought is this, courage in big moments comes from courage in small moments. And of course, the principle is from Jesus, right? Be faithful in the small and you will be trusted with the big. You know, every person we look at who we consider a hero, every person who does something big and scary puts his or her life on the line. We've got to realise that they were just doing a bigger version of the kinds of small, brave acts that they do every week, every month, and have done for years and years. Courage in the big moments comes from courage in the small moments. So don't despise the day of small beginnings of small things. Be brave in the small and you will prepare yourself to be brave in the big. And the third thought is this, courage out where everybody sees starts with courage in where nobody sees. Before you get brave at work with that toxic culture that you've been wanting to address, start with getting vulnerable with God in your prayer closet, in your prayer times. Before you try and go and get brave with that bully on your team, get honest with your spouse at home. Share what you really want and need in your relationship. Before you try and get brave and make a radical change in your career, why don't you try again reaching out to that rebellious kid, which is hard because you were so hurt last time and they rejected you. See, this is where we grow courage. We grow courage in the places where nobody sees. And the small decisions we make to get up and seek God, to talk to someone that we need to talk to, to reach out and make a difference in some small way. Courage out where everybody sees starts with courage in where nobody sees. And it's important, right? Because courage is the decision that changes the world. Courage, even for a short time, illuminates everything small and evil and wrong in the sphere around us. And we see it all through the Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. Look, as we come to a conclusion uh, this evening, I, I just want to say this. Author, uh, speaker and leadership guru Simon Sinek, I'm sure some of you have heard him or seen some of his TED Talks. He says this about courage. He says, I've met people 
with real courage. You know, people who really put themselves in harm's way, who, who put their lives on the line for somebody else, who, who do the sorts of things that most of us just think is absolutely crazy, something that flies in the face of self-preservation. I talk to people who do these things. And he says this, he says, I always ask them the same question. Why did you do it? And he says, here's what's interesting. I always get the same answer, always. Here's what they say. They say, because they would have done the same thing for me. Simon Sinek says that there's something that these people have discovered in knowing that that other person who they put their life on the line for, knowing that they would put their life on the line for them. They would do anything, even lay their life on the line. And it gives them the courage to lay their their lives down if necessary for someone else. And here's the thought for us, right? See, Jesus did that for us. And knowing that Jesus did everything for us, even laid his own life down for us, gives us the courage, knowing that he did it for us, gives us the courage to lay our lives down for him and for those that he loves the most. Jesus did it for us. Every significant person in the scriptures did it. And now it's time for us to step that up in our own lives and be men and women of courage as well. As we wrap up, can I ask you to to consider being brave in a few specific things this week? Let me put a challenge out this evening. Number one, have the courage to confess your sins. You know, the American president, Benjamin Franklin, said how few there are who have the courage enough to own their faults or resolution enough to mend them. And this is where getting together with a small group of like-minded people is so powerful. Where we can, in a safe space, just begin to share a little bit of our story, open up about some of our weaknesses and our failings and our struggles. You know, the Bible says that when we do that, healing comes. Isn't that interesting? But even more than doing it for yourself, when someone does that, it, it kind of helps others. It gives others permission or gives others courage to open up and about their selves, to find freedom for their selves. Will you take a step of faith? Do a brave, courageous thing. Maybe just confess a little bit about your story with somebody this week. Find a little bit of freedom for yourself and maybe open the door for someone else's freedom. Secondly, my second challenge is this. This week, have the courage to notice what you fear and start asking those fears to take a seat and move aside. You know, I love the story of David Goggins. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's an ex-Navy SEAL, Army Ranger, an elite Air Force guy. He's been involved in every branch at the highest level of the American military. Uh, He's also now, he's retired as an ultra marathoner. He's done over 60 significant events. Uh, He is colloquially known as the toughest man on planet Earth. Now, his story was one of growing up with a violent father who beat his mother and beat him as well. And he realised years later, as a young man, overweight, in a dead-end minimum wage job, that he was, to his own surprise, utterly controlled by his fears and failures. He says that when he realised that, he knew that he had to do something about it. And he set out to do whatever it took to look his fears in the face, to get them out of the control seat of his life, to get them away 
and stop them running the show. He said the very first thing he did, that same day he realised that, he got in his car, drove hundreds of miles to see his dad who he hadn't spoken to in years. He needed to face that fear. He needed to find out what it was that had made his dad the way he was so that he could learn from it and grow from it and through it himself. I'm gonna say to you, maybe there's someone here today that needs to take that step, needs to face that fear, look it in the face, realise it's not what you thought it was. Maybe someone here needs to pick up the phone and call somebody. Maybe someone here needs to go and see someone if you're out of lockdown. Maybe someone here needs to forgive someone. Do what you can to make things right and leave the consequences with the Lord. Don't let fear run your show anymore. God has great plans for you. And then the third challenge is this. Have the courage to do what your heart tells you is the right thing. You know, as Solomon says in Proverbs 3, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. And Proverbs 21 verse 3 says, to do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Here's the thought. You don't have to be brave. You just have to do what is right. And in doing that, you will be brave. Let me pray for you this evening. Heavenly Father, we just love you so much. And I thank you, Jesus, that you set the example as you have done in everything. But you showed us what it was like to be brave, to be courageous. An ordinary man doing extraordinary things. Lord, help us, every one of us, God, to be aware of those nudges, Lord, to, to tell our fear to take a seat and start stepping into those moments with boldness and courage. God, you've called us to change the world. Empower us, God, in the secret place. God, to learn how to grow our courage and to be the brave men and women you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Centre podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.